1: This is v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: We roll on our number two of v Big Bets, Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw. Of course, today is a big day in the NFL, cut down day. Mm-hmm. Never a day that you want somebody to come to you and say, hey, coach wants to see you bring your playbook. That's not what you want to hear. Uh, let's bring in Aaron Moore right now, uh, v writer for the Pro Football Guide, which is out now, by the way, and it is spectacular. If you're going to take this betting season seriously, you need to get it. Aaron, thanks for joining us uh, today as we talk about the NFL and certainly how it might apply what you see today. Is there anything today, Aaron, that you're looking for at, from a betting perspective when you look at the cutdown day that might change your opinion about a team? <laughs>
4: It's usually going to be a player that's cut because of salary purposes. These players that are cut, many of them are important to the fans of a particular team. You've been following your team. You've seen a guy who's at the borderline end of the roster. And just as a fan, you say, geez, that fifth or sixth wide receiver would look good. That sixth uh, cornerback would look good. From a team standpoint, but from a overall general standpoint, especially in terms of awards, not really. I don't think we're seeing any future MVPs cut today.
3: <laughs> There's going to be no MVPs uh, cut to get down to the 53, that's for sure. Uh, gentlemen, let's go right there. Let's get right to the MVP uh, betting market here, Aaron, because, again, you got to check out the Pro Football Betting Guide. It's out now. You break it down. When, do you look deeper into the numbers, or is it the usual suspects that you really think you're going to maybe find some some value in?
4: Well, when I handicap the award for the betting guide, I have to start at the top, right? You have to start at Josh Allen, and then just from the last few years, it's Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. That's where the handicap starts, and I think when you look at it from a handicapping purpose, you look at why those top four or five guys can't win. When we have this idea of looking to fade the favorite, why can't Josh Allen win? Why can't Tom Brady win? And then we start getting into the middle, into the 20, 25, 20 to 25 to one range. And we're like, OK, what, how many factors will it take for that player to win? And then once we get over that 30 and over, I think we look at who would be a wise small wager on can be a few bucks to hopefully make a lot. We're not going to put a big investment in someone 50 to one at this particular point because you have to understand it from the bookmaker standpoint, that player is 50 to one, 60 to one for a reason. So you start at the top, why can't they win? And then you start changing your perspective and see what will it take for someone else to win?
5: Uh, You mentioned, obviously, uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo. He's a guy to keep an eye out for because simply with the expectations of the team, Uh, Justin Herbert had a tremendous year last year. What do you think about his chances? Because he's in such a competitive division, can the Chargers have the type of record and overall performance that allows him to be in contention for the MVP?
4: I'm very bullish on the Chargers this year, Amal. And I would say from the handicapping standpoint, Justin Herbert has everything you want. He's got the star appeal. He's going to have a lot of national attention. He throws the ball more than any other quarterback. The offense is geared for him. So many of those things are working in his favor. The downside is he plays in the AFC West, and there is very possible it's very possible in the AFC West With four different MVP quarterbacks, someone goes 0-2 against one or two teams, and it's going to be hard for a quarterback that his team goes 0-2 against a division competitor to win that MVP. So Justin Herbert has so much going for him, the AFC West is the wild card. All that being said, I think right now at this particular point, Justin Herbert is your best wager. He's got a little bit of room for odds to go down after the first couple weeks if he plays well. There's a lot of attention that is right now on Josh Allen that could quickly turn to Justin Herbert. So the division is an issue, but so many else, so many other factors are lining up in Herbert's favor.
3: Aaron, let's stay right there in what I like to call the division of death there in the AFC West. Might be the toughest on paper we've ever seen in the history of pro football. And let's go right here to the desert and look at Derek Carr. And I'm seeing about 28 to 1 out there on the marketplace. And again, you mentioned you're trying to look at those top guys. Why can't they win? Why could Derek Carr be in play for MVP?
4: Well, same thing. So you have to look at it from an opposite perspective. What if the Raiders surprise a lot of people, and they're a very good team, but still many people are picking them to finish last in that very good division, as you mentioned, Dave. What if Derek Carr can find a way to beat Kansas City twice, to beat the Chargers twice, to go one-and-one against Denver? So a lot of it has to do with, for Derek Carr, how well his team can exceed expectations of being in the AFC West because we look at this from a narrative standpoint. If many people are picking the Raiders to finish last and they don't finish last, and let's say they challenge for the division, Derek Carr is going to be the recipient of a lot of praise in the media. A lot of those people writing stories are going to praise him. And those story writers are also the people that vote on the MVP.
5: Aaron, how many games does a team have to win in your estimation for a player to be considered for MVP in college football for the Heisman? If you're not going to be at least 9-3... I don't believe you can win the Heisman. The last quarterback to be on a team that lost four games, including the bowl, was Tim Tebow in 2007. Uh, Robert Griffin went 9-3 and three at Baylor. But other than that, every one of these guys are on teams that have two w- losses or less. Is there kind of a point of demarcation for you that people can look towards and then start to eliminate about 60 to 70% of the pool based on the fact that these teams may not win 10, 11, or
4: 12 games? and that's a great question I'm um, in a good way of looking at it so with our extra game we have now compared to the past in the NFL it's got to be 11 games and then you look at let's just look at the top if anything less than 11 games for the Buffalo Bills Josh Allen is probably not going to win it because that's not going to meet the expectation if the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't near 11 wins if they don't get to 12 wins then all of a sudden there's going to be questions as is Tom Brady still Tom Brady same thing with Mahomes it's going to be in that 11 to 12 win ballpark, because those are going to be the numbers that likely are going to win your division, get you that top spot. And when I say top spot, the top spot that people are talking about a team throughout the season, it's not just going to be good enough to make it into the playoffs, it's going to have to have that marquee status in the media, and it's going to be that quarterback who gets the praise for getting his team to 12, 13 victories.
3: Talking with Aaron Moore did Yeoman's work in the Pro Football Betting Guide that is out right now, breaking down the MVP market. I want to talk about about a guy that we talked a lot about yesterday, uh, previewing uh, the Pro Football Betting Guide with myself and Wes Reynolds and Matt Eumanns, and that is Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Now, I know it feels like an extreme long shot at fifty to one, but you just talked about which I think is an excellent point, Aaron. The narrative, right? That that writers will give. Let's say if the Raiders somehow win that toughest division. If the Vikings can challenge the Packers, which many people think could be in play this year, is fifty to one in play for KC eight?
4: I'll give you a narrative, Dave. It goes with a Game of Thrones. The purple winter is coming. I think there's a lot of uh, hope that people have that Kevin O'Connell can make Minnesota not just challenge for that division and not just knock off Green Bay, but to really be a Super Bowl contender. And the comparison I'm going to make with Kirk Cousins is... There could be a Rich Gannon in him, a guy who was always good throughout his career, was um, never a a top marquee quarterback, but had the ability to put three or four games together. You would say, geez, he's a pretty good quarterback. And then the year Gannon won the MVP, he put it together all the way, and look what happened with the Raiders. I think Cousins fits that profile. And the great thing about him is it's 50-1. to He is definitely worth a chance. Now, if we were sitting here... And it was 10, 12 to 1, and Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers were in the same ballpark. I'd say let's slow our roll on that purple winter and hope it happens. But now, what we have with Kirk Cousins in 50 to 1, it's certainly worth a small play. There's a lot of upside to the Vikings, and that would be one of the advantages of playing the MVP now that you can get him at 50 to 1. One or two games good to start off the season, it's certainly not going to be 50 to 1.
5: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point on Cousins in terms of MVP, but in terms of the Super Bowl, unless you're in Minnetonka, I don't know if you're lining up for the Vikings <laughs> to get to the Super Bowl. But uh, I want to ask you about running backs. We've had three running backs in the last 16, 15, 16 years winning. Sean Alexander in five, LT in six, and then Adrian Peterson in 2012. These guys all had 1,800 yards of rushing or more. Is there a single running back that you would consider outside of uh, Jonathan Taylor with, um, I was going to say Wisconsin, with the Colts <laughs> and um, Der- Derek. Henry with uh, Tennessee, I I just don't think you can even bet these running backs anymore. Just like the Heisman, it's like, hey, we'll give you the Maxwell or something else. I'm sorry, not the Maxwell, but, um, you know, another award. But it just seems like they completely negate in the NFL and they give the Offensive Player of the Year award to these Mm -hmm. guys instead of considering running backs or wide receivers.
4: So Amal, will I think about, okay, I'll think about Najee Harris. I'm done thinking about Najee (laughs) Harris. Uh, I'm not putting any money down on him because if I was to go totally against the grain and say bet on a running back to win the MVP, which is likely not going to happen, it's got to be Jonathan Taylor. But if he didn't win it last year, How is a running back going to win it? And I put the same thing on with Cooper Cup. If Cooper Cup could not win the MVP last year with that season, then what will it take for a wide receiver to win it? It's very difficult for anyone to think a wide receiver could have a better season than Cooper Cup. It's very difficult for anybody to think a running back could have a better season than Derrick Henry had a couple years ago. So that's why I really don't even look too deep at the running backs and wide receivers.
3: I think it's an excellent point. Again, a defensive player hasn't won since 1986 when the great alt did it so you can probably throw those guys off the board as well uh Aaron, you had me a purple winner in game of thrones i'm all in on house of dragons as well uh check out the pro football betting guide and appreciate the time and enjoy the upcoming season
4: Thank you, gentlemen, and good luck Thanks.
3: to you. There he is, Aaron Moore. Uh, uh, look, that's the way you, you break down that MVP market. It's hard to get past the quarterbacks. It really is. You can you look at those guys, as he said, Najee Harris, and then you're done looking. It's just so hard after the years we saw last year that didn't win.
5: Well, I think, the, unfortunately, these awards to Heisman and the NFL MVP have become quarterback awards instead of really going for the most valuable. By the way, you know the all-time most shocking MVP in, in the NFL? Bring it. Mark Mosley. Oh, yeah, the kicker. Kicker. Well, so he was 83, unbelievable. 83 or 84? 83. 83. Absolutely yeah. amazing year
3: he had. When we come back, more hold or fire in college football. It's Beason's Big Bets, the Sports Betting Network.
1: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com/slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And
6: I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six man of the year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have ticked it all?
0: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You ain't I it?
6: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting
1: Network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit com. Just check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Back alongside Amal Shaw, I am Dave Ross, Kelly Bidwin doing uh, Yeoman's work behind the glass. And Kelly and I were talking here during the break. Some of the pro tips I hope you're getting from listening to some of our guests and certainly all, some of our conversation throughout the first hour plus here on Big Bets. One, I just thought that Aaron had a, a great take here. Aaron Moore breaking down the MVP market, which is look at why guys can't win. When you look at those top favorites on the board, What would go wrong for them not to win MVP? Almost think inversely, like split your brain, if you will. And in the first hour, I thought also a really good pro tip that you made, and we're going to get more into that right now on Hold or Fire, is that you can have patience. Exercise patience with some of these lines. Anticipate where the lines are going to go. And that's a good way, if you're trying to build a portfolio, build a, a betting profile, another good practice to get into.
5: Yeah, absolutely right. You know, for me, though, excuse me, I go back to the Heisman point. What, how many games is the team going to win? Let's say, for example, yeah. uh, B. John Robinson of Texas this year, I think he's, in my opinion, probably the best offensive player in college football. I can make a case of the best player in college football. Ooh. But how many games is Texas going to win? Are they going to beat Alabama? Or are they going to beat Oklahoma? If they lose those two games, mm-hmm. he would have to have 200 yards, and it's the defense that gets absolutely crushed for him to be able to have a shot. And So in the NFL – How many games is your team going to win? Let's say you think Kyler Murray's going to throw for 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, and less than 10 interceptions. Okay, that would be great MVP type of numbers. But if the team goes 9-8, and I think it becomes very difficult to be able to justify a player getting MVP. That's why the, um, the rant against Shohei Otani, to me, is very justified. When are you playing in a meaningful game that's outside of April and May? Aaron Judge is playing in a game that matters every day. The Blue Jays are seven games back. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, there's always that area of, are you playing in games that are impactful? Uh, that is a great pro tip, right there. Kind of look at the team success for the yep. individual awards.
3: It is narrative street. It does get driven by people in the media like ourselves, even though we're not voters, we should be. And that, that's how these things, these voted on awards. It's not just cut. It's not cut and dry, right? It's going to be narrative streets here sometimes, with the and certainly in the MVP market.
5: So you know, you covered games, uh, covered college football for a long time. One of the things that I hated is people that vote in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. They're covering like one game they're not watching the other game. so they just go based on the final score they oh well like that team covered the spread we'll move them up or if that team didn't cover the spread they move them down I mean to me that's why those guys they actually shouldn't be voting it should be guys in the studio who watch every game on that's the people that
3: should be voting maybe the people that are watching the majority of the games should do some of the voting 100% just an idea college football uh, before we get to hold our fire here and continue that conversation in college football the live six is out today, okay? And for those not aware what's going on with Live Golf, you've been living under a rock. Well, we knew that these names were coming today. And the biggest one, of course, is Cameron Smith. He's leaving the PGA Tour, going over to Live Golf. He's the number two ranked player in the world. So this is rather significant. And then you get some young guns like Joaquin Neiman that's also going to go to Live Golf. He's 19th in the world. Harold Varner III, very popular American player, uh, number 46 in the world. Cameron Tringale, 55. Mark Leishman, the Australian who lives now in my old hometown of Virginia Beach in the same neighborhood I grew up in, number 62 of the world, and Annabald uh, Lahiri, number 92, they're all going. Now, I know like a lot of people are going, good, good riddance, get out of here, who cares? PGA Tour doesn't need you. I'm all. I think the PGA Tour is looking at this totally incorrectly. And what they should be doing is embracing the hatred of the other side. We've got the President's Cup coming up in September. You know who's going to watch the President's Cup? Probably nobody. You know who would watch a live golf event and bet on it? Hello, PGA Tours embraced gambling. If you put the live tour guys against the PGA Tour guys, made this WWE against the NWO or NWA, pick your wrestling uh conglomerate you want, a mall, they would sell tickets and we would watch and we would bet.
5: If this reverse NWA, I'm definitely taking Chuck D and Ice Cube for sure. Those are my first two picks there. But the reality of it is, uh, you know, I, I look, I get why Cam Smith's doing this. The money he's going to make, he's an Aussie guy. When you look at a players, particularly from Europe and from Australia, Adam Scott, another one. You are now. Adam Scott resides here, stateside. But yeah. The, but the point is the amount of time that you're away from home traveling. I saw Nick Kyrgios talk about this. He said, "I can't wait for the U.S. Open to end. I want to go back home." Oh. And you know, I think that was one of the reasons why Ash Barty retired because the travel. You are gone for so long. So I get why Cam Smith took the money. What I find very interesting in this whole thing and all the pushback from everybody, and I'm not sure what side of the ledger you come out on this one. I would say you're so worried about everyone saying, oh, Saudi human rights, this, that, and the other. Golf is where you're going to draw the line in the sand? This is where you're going to draw the line in the I'm sand? I'm with you. There's no morality in
3: sports, people. Like, I, I get it. We want to be better. We want to put our chest out and say, we do it the right way in X sport. Pick your favorite sport. To me, what happens here is if you don't allow the live golfers to play in majors— in President's Cups, in Ryder Cups. You're cheating the golf fan. So go ahead and stand on your mountaintop, get in your soapbox, tell me how much better you are than everybody else. You're cheating the sport. And that's what I'm concerned with as a guy who loves golf, right? I want to see these guys. And if you have to do this and make some sort of live golf against PGA Tour golf, fine, do it, embrace it. But to, to say these guys, we don't want the best golfers, the number two ranked golfer in the world to play in the biggest events. What are you doing?
5: Golf. Yeah, this is just shocking. Uh, In terms of the departures that you've seen so far, um, how impactful for you is it on the PGA Tour? And just for the general fan who, you know, like myself, I'm I'm not an avid golf guy, but I follow the majors. Uh, in terms of name recognition, some of the names we've seen kind of defect over?
3: Well, I think I think Cam Smith, because he is the best player now. I mean, yeah. Phil is the guy that moved the needle. He's the one that got this started. But, you know, Kelly, I, I know you're in, into this too. I love to live wager golf. My, by the way, I bet Cam Smith before the final round of the British Open – and I cashed that ticket because I knew he's the – and you're going to tell me, Kelly, that next year we can't bet potentially on Cam Smith at majors? What are we doing? Yeah,
2: I'm with you. I mean, and, that, and that's always that's all going to come down to the world golf rankings because that, that's where this is really going to play out. Until they approve the live the live structure and the live points, we're not going to see those guys play in majors. Now, Cameron Smith obviously having won one, he's going to be qualified for all those for a very long time. The one where we can connect what we're seeing with, with this mass exodus here to live today, Dave, is if you are looking to bet the President's Oh cup. my goodness. That U.S. line has been looking juicy for a couple weeks. It, it's going to be out of control now. It's probably over $4.00 I'm seeing some places. Yes. $4.50 but
3: is what I saw.
2: If you kind of knew some of these were coming, Neiman, Cameron Smith, you're talking about a lot of the top international players that are going to be going up against a U.S. team that, keep in mind, Will Zalatoris couldn't even crack the top six on. Mm. who's now out with an injury. But that's where the betting, betting uh, part of this is going to come into play. Big time Time with what you're seeing is with the lived affections today.
5: Well, maybe if he'd stop driving the ball to the sidewalk, he'd be okay.
3: By the way, <laughs> you could have got Team USA in next month's prior, uh, President's Cup at about minus 330. Oh, not any longer. Uh, with those defections today from those Aussies that you mentioned there, uh, you're probably going to be north of six dollars. I wow. would think pretty darn quickly. It's going to be. It could be a blowout. And by the way, that's not good for TV. It's not good for golf. You want the best players in the international team to be
5: able to play. That's going to be a, a sticky situation. I've Got to ask you one more question. Brilliant. Tiger got offered a ton of money. I forgot the amount, mm-hmm. or at least that was uh, speculated out there. If he had made the move, oh my god. What would have happened from the standpoint of other players? Not necessarily in terms of, we know Tiger moves the needle. Nobody is like Tiger Woods in golf or or has been that way. To me, you have to go back to Jordan for the last player in any sport that can move a needle the way Tiger Woods can in golf.
3: I'm with you. And again, you just heard Tiger and Rory going to be paired up uh, in a virtual golf league that's going to start in 2024. Now, I, I look at that and I go... Are people going to watch this? Like, would you watch Tiger Woods simulate a golf swing? But apparently, you can wager on it. So if Tiger and Rory are like the last stand of the PGA Tour against the new uprising force that is Live Golf. So they're trying to come up with, because you just made a very salient point. Tiger Woods still moves the meter. So if they're going to have this new simulated golf league, that you can wager on, and by the way, when there are numbers on it, we'll let you know what they are because, again, that's what we do here at VEASAN. But I think, to your point, they're trying to still find a way that Tiger Woods could be
5: relevant to the golf viewer. That's what they're doing. Kelly just said it was $800 million that he was offered. Oh my I would have used the great Charles Barkley quote, quote do you have a pen? <laughs> Tiger said <laughs> no. By the way, they also offered an uh, exorbitant amount of money to Jack Nicholas.
3: And, and Jack said no. But Jack still builds golf courses in Saudi Arabia. Look, I'm not the morality police (laughs) when it comes to sports. I did not know that. Right? So, like, I look at it and I go, okay. So, we kind of get it like, oh, yeah, Jack, PGA Tour, you were a founder of it. So, we're all behind. But yet, you're still playing golf in Saudi. There's still events there. And somehow,
5: we just kind of ignore those. I would have been on the phone. I would have said, here's the Swift number. Here's the routing number. We'll see you in about three hours. So, by the way, that is official. The, the Live Six, as they're saying today,
3: gone. Uh, Cam Smith being the biggest name of them. When we come back, we will do more Holder Fire. And also, we'll take a look at the AFC North as we get oh so close. Nine days away. Nothing to look at. It's the Ravens. Wow. We'll discuss. Come back with us on Big Bets. I'm Easton, the Sports Betting Network.
1: Big bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on vSend, the sports betting network.
3: It is football season, and betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like VEASAN, and now is the time to become a VEASAN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro football betting guides. Only VEASAN subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, divisional finishes, and player awards. Sign up early for a discount of $175. You're going to receive both guides and full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl, or join us for just $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to offer to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all of your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Back alongside, I am, Sh- uh, I am Dave Ross. He is mall Shaw. I swear. That is, in fact, fact. Uh, let's get back to Hold or Fire, because this is a segment we started in hour number one, and what it does, I think it's a good exercise, Amal, to try to figure out, should you hold or? on a number that you think might change as we get closer to kick or fire right now because you think the number might be the best that it's going to be uh, before we get to said game. I want to start off with a quote-unquote dog game, okay? I worked in the uh, Raleigh-Durham area when Mm -hmm. I wore a younger man's clothes, and I wrote a column about East. Great Billy Joel reference. Thank you, sir. About David Garrard, who is the quarterback at ECU. Mm -hmm. And then I had a guy come into my office and say, you write this column? I said, yes, sir. And he said, we don't write about ECU here. We write about NC State, Wake Forest, and maybe UNC. We've got the battle of the Wolfpack, NC State against, said, East Carolina. So this is kind of a rivalry in those parts. Sure. Right now, NC State, there's a lot of steam on NC State, right? And a lot of people think they could be a challenger in the ACC West. Are you going to lay 11 and now it's up to 12 on the road with Dave Duran and the
5: Wolfpack? I, I am not. Um I'd probably look at ECU here, but I don't say that with a tremendous amount of confidence here. Uh, Both sides pretty good in terms of starting quarterbacks, returning Holton Aylers back for ECU, and then Devin Leary for uh, NC State. Had a good year last year. This is a good team. Dave Doran's team's got 15 or 16 starters back. They're going to be very effective, going to be a tough team in the ACC. They should win this game, but in terms of covering this one, I'm not sure if that happens, Dave. I would stay away from laying the number either way. In terms of the line, should you hold or fire? Here, here's how I would look at okay. it. If you like East Carolina plus the 12, I would wait because even if it comes down to 11.5, it doesn't hurt you. But let's say theoretically it goes up to 13, it benefits you. Uh, so the 11, 11, uh, if it gets to 11, obviously it's going to be far more detrimental than the 12 is. But coming down half a point at 12, 12 is just basically an arbitrary number in this particular situation. So you're not in a bad spot. If you like NC State – I would hold off, and here's why: because it comes down, it benefits you immensely. But if it goes up to 12 and a half, or even to 13, I don't think that's a problem. I, so for me, it would be a hold situation on this game, regardless of which side you like. And that's interesting. And that, that, I think that qualifies
3: as a pro tip. What you're giving out is sometimes when you're trying to get the best of the number, if you if you don't get it, let's say a half point. Mm-hmm. that's not going to necessarily kill uh, what you're trying to accomplish by by holding as you get closer and closer to kickoff.
5: Yeah, you know, the one thing is, and Johnny Avello and I have talked about this when he used to he's – he's a head of DraftKings here, mm-hmm. uh, but when he was at Wynn. You know, in college – excuse me, in the NFL, the half a point, the point are huge. In college football, yeah, you might have a game between Alabama and Georgia where you look at it and say it matters a great deal. But over the course of a season, take a Saturday for example, I don't know how many games are on the board this weekend, but let's just say for simple math, we got 131 teams in division one. Okay. Let's let's just say all but one are playing, sixty-five of them are playing. You might have five that are you go, wow, these guys are so good. There's 50 where they've missed by two million points, mm. and people recall and retain. We talked about it earlier with Steve Buchanan on the run line in baseball. The Dodgers yesterday won four to three. So you go, well, they didn't cover the run line. You know what? 78 of the other 89 games they they've didn't. covered the run line. So my, my point being is, don't get. Uh, intimidated by or don't be alarmed by it. And if you're betting a game and you're that concerned about the line in college football for me, that's a game you shouldn't be betting. If it's if
3: you're sweating out the half-point line move.
5: Yes, absolutely.
3: Ah, great point. That, my friend, is a pro tip. Uh, let's move on to the Natty against Arkansas down south. Because I look at this one and I go, my goodness, I don't know what to make of either one of these teams. Arkansas was a team last year. I think there was a lot of buzz behind them. Now they're laying six and a half against Cincinnati, who, oh, by the way, made the college football playoff last year. We know Desmond Ritter isn't walking through that door quarterback. But what do you make of Luke Fickle and company getting six and a half? If you're looking at the Bearcats side, do you hold or fire now?
5: Uh, this an easy one. If you like Cincinnati, you hold. Uh, simply put, because you wanted to get it to the seven, you're not as concerned of where it's at right now. Uh, ben Bryant's probably going to get the start for this team. Yep. Big change. Remember, you mentioned Ritter now in Atlanta. He has started the last two years, so we'll see how effective this team can be. You lost a ton defensively, especially when you look in terms of you lose Sauce Gardner, you lose Sanders from that defensive front. How impactful can they be? KJ Jefferson's a big, strong athlete, at quarterback. Uh, it's hard to say you faced anybody like him because he is is So unique in that sense. Um, I, I think this Razorbacks team is gonna, Razorback team is going to be really good. I like them a lot, but they're in the SEC West, which is a highly competitive division. In my opinion, the most competitive division probably in all of college football. I think Sam Pittman's a tremendous coach. I think he's a yeah. top ten coach. They're going to be really good. I, I have no opinion from a side on this perspective in this game, but for me, if you like the Razorbacks, you fire. If you like Cincinnati, you hold.
3: That's a, that's a great way to diagnose it, depending on which side you might lean towards here on a Tuesday. The Utah-Florida game mm-hmm. has one that's moved a lot in the summertime, and there's so much talk about this Utes team and whether or not they can win the Pac-12, and maybe if they ran the table, dare I say, be the Cincinnati of this year, right? Well, to start off that process, they're going down to the Swamp, and they're going to take on the Gators. Now the Gators are a home dog. It's up to three,
5: If you're looking at the Utes, fire fire now. 100%. Because this thing's going to go up? Well, no, because you have already in a situation where you could have gotten one or two earlier. Yeah. I think Gators might have opened as a favorite, but forget the move. Because remember, the, the zero, the one, it's going to move quick on that. It's not, you know what I mean? So you're not concerned about that. But the bigger thing is, Dave, and I apologize. I not mean to cut you off, no, no, but no. I'm just saying. Don't wait. Don't even wait for me to finish this conversation. That's right. You better get that number now. Yeah, exactly. And so if you like the Utes here at this point in time, because if it goes up three and a half or four, it's far more detrimental to you. So there it is. So, uh, and by the way, when you look at what type of
3: game we get at, that's when I look at the totals. And in this one in particular, it, it feels like a 51 here. I think Florida can score. Utah's defense in the bowl game against Ohio State. Look, it's Ohio State, and they. We'll get to Ohio State Notre Dame here in a second they've got one of the best offenses and arguably this year in college football, they could have the best. Do you shy away from the last visual you had when you look at the the total of 51? Or would you, if you think you're going to get points, would you fire on that number now playing the over?
5: Yeah, good question. I'm not sure where to come out on this one in terms of the total simply because I think the Utes... That was a bit of an aberration. There were a couple of factors involved there. They were moving the ball at will against Ohio State. And, you know, you look at C.J. Stroud barring injury, Jackson Smith and Jigba barring injury, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Igbuka, and potentially uh, Travion Henderson. These are all guys that could be first-round picks maybe next year or the year after. So Mm -hmm. I'm not as alarmed by the fact that they gave up points, but I would point to this with the Utes. I think it's a really good team. They're a physical football team. I I like them a lot. You mentioned potentially for the college football playoff. I think they're a dark horse to get there. Um, I think they're going to win the Pac-12. Kyle Whittingham is a tremendous coach, but can you go into the swamp and win this game? This is going to be Billy Napier's first game now as he moves in from Louisiana, the Raging Cajun. Uh, This will not be an easy one. I lean towards the Utes here, but I don't say that with overwhelming confidence. I I have to tell you, this is a conference-defining game. For the (laughs) Pac-12. You win this game, now you're going to get a little bit more respect. Yes. But if you lose this game and Florida finishes in the middle of the pack in the SEC. Same old Pac-12.
3: Same old Pac-12. That's what they'll say. Uh, Let's talk about the Ohio State University more in a little bit of of detail here. Of course, they had the disappointing loss last year against Oregon uh, to begin their season last year at the Shoe. Now you get Notre Dame coming in. And depending on the side, this number's already gone up to 18. If you're Notre Dame, And you're back in the Irish. Hold or fire?
5: You know, I I think... I would take it if I if I like Notre Dame here. God, I didn't realize it's gotten up to 18. How about But this game was at 14 at one point in time. My goodness. So you see the precipitous move. Remember, um, Avery Davis, the leading wide receiver for Notre Dame last year. He's in his sixth year of eligibility, out torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patterson on the offensive line is expected to play. Got banged up a little bit in practice with an ankle issue. I expect him to play at left guard for Notre Dame, one of the top offensive linemen in college football. Um, so if, from that standpoint, it's going to be impactful in terms of when you look at the Irish. But – I, I don't know, Dave. I mean, 18 is a lot of Man. points uh, well, I, 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 to lay.
3: And to miss out on the better part of the number from the summer, yes.
5: right? That, that you're at 18.
3: Could it possibly get to 19 if you're a Notre Dame backer and you would hold till Saturday?
5: Yeah, I mean, you could look at it and say, well, 21 to 3, or they're, you know, though they're about to type the type of number. It's not going to be 21 to 3, you right. don't think, in a game like this. But um, mm-hmm. you 42 know, 24. Um, this game is really hard for me to gauge because I don't know how good or bad the Ohio State defense is going to be. If the Ohio State defense, is even competent with the talent that they have, they're going to blow Notre Dame out. The 18-19 won't matter. If the Ohio State defense played like they did against Utah, the 18 won't matter because Notre Dame's going to be in this game with a shot to potentially win. New defensive coordinator coming
3: over from Oklahoma State for the Buckeyes this year, and I think a lot of people are looking at that to say,
5: can, can that cure them? Yeah. A new scheme, a new guy, a new voice? It's going to be interesting. We'll see. We're going to find out a lot Saturday night in the shoe at 19.30. Absolutely cannot wait. That was a lot of
3: fun doing hold or fire. But the exercise there is to try to anticipate where those line moves may go. When we come back, let's take a look at Major League Baseball. And also, if we can uh, dive deeper a little bit into the U.S. Open, some matches today, Amal, and get some of your best bets there. Come on back. It is VEASAN's Big Bets,
0: the sports betting network.
6: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the sports betting network.
3: Your next win is brewing. Play free fantasy baseball, football, and basketball with draft time matchups presented by Miller White. Draft wins in 13 contests and compete for your share of $41,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Miller Lite to get in on all the action. Miller Lite, great taste, less billing. 21 or older. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and please celebrate responsibly. Back alongside Amal Shaw, I am Dave Ross. We roll on on VEASAN's Big Bets here on a Tuesday before we move on to the AFC North, who will be the kings of the North there. I want to know who you like in the U.S. Open today because we mentioned earlier in the program I know all eyes are on Serena, but I think you found another match tonight that you like.
5: Yeah, uh, looking at this one between Naomi Osaka and Danielle Collins, the American, both have really struggled. Collins has only played two matches since uh, May, and she's lost three in a row. But Naomi Osaka's had her issues as well. She's lost five out of her last seven matches, has not played particularly well, but this is a fairly inexpensive price. Osaka, a two-time champion at the U.S. Open Dave. You can probably get her in that 170 to 175 range, up to 180. So I think Osaka's somebody I'd consider here just simply uh, has played more matches mm-hmm. recently than Collins, but both players very capable of winning this matchup.
3: Very quickly on Osaka, because I think a lot of people, obviously high profile, as she mm-hmm. said, some, some battles... Uh, with herself, if you will, yeah. uh, on and off the the court. Does that worry you from a long-term perspective for her, uh, for her and her progress here at the United States Open?
5: No, I don't think so. I think she seems like a reserved personality, and I think when you get put in that spotlight yeah. globally, it becomes much more challenging. You know, she made some $40, 50000000 million Whew. a couple years ago off the court. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, uh, Ryan Clark talked about this with uh, – the receiver in Pittsburgh that was in uh, Antonio, uh, Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, sometimes people react differently in certain situations with the pressure, and I think with Osaka, I think it's been a bit overwhelming. So, you know, you've made the kind of money where it's like, hey, I don't have to pick up a racket ever again. So it just remains to be seen how hungry and how competitive you are in terms of how great you want to be. It's always my hang-up with Nick Kyrgios,
3: right? Because right. I go, where's the head going to be coming into a said tournament? The talent is undeniable.
5: Right. And the talent there with the soccer is, is undeniable as well. I think you bring up a great point that gets overlooked in sports. You you and I have been fortunate, we've covered sports for a long time in different markets. And you know, sometimes people sit there and think, because we may be football fans, that everybody that plays are football fans. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you've been doing this since five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, after a while it becomes a job when you've been doing it for 20 years. So I think sometimes you have to really try to hone in on players and see, you know, hey, what's their point of view in terms of do they generally love the game? You know, um, Herm Edwards has talked about it all the time. He goes, I want to know if a player loves the game. <laughs> Absolutely. And I thought that was a great point. I, I always find that funny, too, because I
3: think fans and media and maybe social media, Twitter, the day and age we live in now, People go, oh, this stuff's so overblown. Do they love? No, that's why GMs and coaches do that stuff. They try to find out is this guy really into it, or is he in it for the money? Because sometimes you get the money, and then the passion goes away, and you worry in a team sport, certainly at 53 in the NFL,
5: whether or not they're there for the other person on that roster. I mean, I think there's a real concern. You're absolutely right. That's something you try to take into consideration, and you know it's hard to be able to gauge necessarily some of the off-field challenges that a player Mm -hmm. may be going through, he or she might have uh, regardless of sport, especially in the individual sports. You know, you're a big MMA guy, boxing, tennis, golf, what have you. And thanks for the shout-out because first strike, first look. We'll come back later on this afternoon, so be on the lookout
3: for that as we look ahead to Saturday's card. Let's get back to the – it's cut down to the NFL. There are some surprising cuts, I'm sure, that you're going to see out there. Marlon Mack is certainly one that caught my attention, and uh, Alex Leavenworth for the the Raiders, the first-round pick. He has been let go uh, after being a first-round pick just last year. But when you look at the AFC North in specifics – Last year, the Ravens at one point were eight and three, cruising to the postseason. Amal um, they didn't win another game. Eight and nine. And that, of course, did uh, coincide with Lamar Jackson being injured. So The Ravens are a chic pick, I think, this year to go from worst to first in their division. The Bengals, some people worry about a Super Bowl hangover. Oh, so close to winning it last year, didn't get it done. But the offensive line actually looks better on paper. Then there's the Brownies. We know about Deshaun Watson, won't be there for 11 games. And you've never had a losing season in the Steel City under Mike Tomlin. How do you handicap this AFC North from a betting profile?
5: Well, I'm probably not the right person to ask on this because I think the Ravens are going to win the AFC. I've got them going to the Super Bowl and winning it. So I I think with Lamar Jackson back, uh, he's going to hit free agency after the year. I think he's going to have a monster season. You know, you mentioned the Jackson injury. Marlon Humphrey, one of the top cornerbacks in the league, was out. Marcus Peters was out. Ronnie Stanley was out. J.K. Dobbins was out. Gus Edwards was out. I mean, it, it was a mash unit for this team last year. you got a healthier squad. They know what they want to do. And here's the thing. You know, there's certain players you sit there and go, well, he's got to play at this level for us to be good. That's their A game. With Lamar Jackson, if he's Lamar Jackson, you've got a great shot. But if Lamar Jackson throws the ball with any kind of accuracy, now you wind up with the most unstoppable commodity in the National Football League. Think about that. If he could just start throwing the ball where uh, Andrews doesn't have to dive on on these short throws, if he can throw with any kind of accuracy – this team, to me, becomes extremely difficult to slow down. You've got the best t- uh, kicker, in my opinion, in Justin Tucker in the history of the game. Wow. I mean, you. I mean, well, look, the reality of it is you cross the 40-yard line. You're like, well, we got three points in our back pocket. He
3: kicked a 66-yarder to beat the Lions last year in Motown.
5: Yeah. I, I think, mean, that, that's, that's a weapon. Think about that. Would there be any other team that would sit there and say, well, we got a, we got a legitimate shot? If it was any other team, you'd go, well, you know, they're kicking it. They're probably not going to make it. With the Ravens, you're like, dude, this guy's going to make it. It's It's
3: absolutely amazing that a John Harbaugh-led team lost six in a row, but the injuries you mentioned, yep. paging Hawkeye and Pierce. That, <laughs> I mean, they they were a mass unit. I think it's a great point. I heard something interesting from Steve Young, of course, who, who won a Super Bowl with the Niners and kind of had the same label of a Lamar Jackson, which is run first, pass second. Steve Young said that John Harbaugh and the Ravens' offensive staff is holding Lamar Jackson Back. It sounds like he still has an axe to grind, maybe with George Stieper in the, in the Niners, that he was held back a little bit. But once the left arm was let, to let go, you saw what could happen. To your point, do you think if Lamar, they, they take the training wheels off from a passing perspective, that they would be the most unstoppable
5: offense in the NFL? Well, they could potentially, if he would throw the ball with with consistent accuracy. The problem is, and Bill Polian talked about this. We had him on a show one weekend. He said the single most important criteria for him at quarterback is accuracy. Mm -hmm. You look at Joe Burrow in that division. That guy's about as accurate as anybody in the National Football League. So I, I can see the affinity for Cincinnati. In terms of Lamar and this Ravens offense, I don't think that's the problem. I think the concern is there are 10 throws. Seven of them are good. Two of them are errant. And then one, you're like, are you playing for the other team? <laughs> so I think that's the real challenge when you look at Lamar Jackson. There, the lack of consistency. With the Bengals, you mentioned the offensive line. Look, they're going to score a ton of points, but they need that pass rush. Sam Hubbard and company have to be effective in terms of getting home. If they do that, they've got a chance. But I feel like the Bengals are bl- being blown out of proportion because of a three-game run. It, you know, if Derek Carter doesn't spike the ball on first down – with the four downs, they may score a touchdown. Kansas City blows that opportunity at home, that terrible play call at the end of the first half. Eli Apple, the only play he made in his career, was that crucial one at the end of the first half there. And, you know, the Browns are being discounted because... uh, uh, Deshaun's gone for 11. Yeah, he's gone for 11 games. So I still think Jacoby Brissett can be decent. They've got enough talent there. Um, The Steelers are a team that could be interesting because they've got a good enough defense. Najee, the big question mark is offensive line. It's not quarterback for me. Trubisky is okay. But it's the offensive line, they just have not addressed this enough. And that's the problem with Pittsburgh.
3: Very quickly on the Pittsburgh front, because I I look and I see seven and a half wins for the total, okay? Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Both of these things can be true this year. Mike Thomas could have his first losing season and the over could still hit. They could go eight yeah, and nine. Absolutely. Yeah, what what type of football team you mentioned, Trubisky, you're not too worried about him at quarterback.
5: Yeah, I mean look, I don't think he's elite by any stretch. I'm not trying to imply that. I just think that with his mobility and with the way they have talent they have around that team, they could be effective. I think you bring up a good point. I think this is a team that wins between six and nine games. Now I know I'm straddling the fence and responding to your question, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to one, how does Trubisky play? And two, most importantly, how does the offensive line play. I think defensively, they'll be fine. TJ Watt is elite. There's no question about it. I would make the case he's probably the best edge rusher in football. Um, Cam Hayward in the middle has been terrific. Minka in the back of that secondary. Uh, I like this team a lot, but can Najee have the holes to run through? Because you don't have to question his toughness or durability, but can you have the consistency from the offense? They've got a tremendous kicking game. Um, you know, Chris Boswell's outstanding. outstanding. This, this is a really good team but it's not just the quarterback play. It's, again, the offensive line. Uh, very quickly in the last minute here of our first edition of Big Bets, some pro
3: tips that we had in both hours, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to those quickly. Don't overreact to the big names that get cut from the NFL rosters today on cutdown day. There's a reason why they're not on those football teams for a reason. Don't run to the window and, and think you're on a losing ticket there. Look out for college football coaches taking it easy in the former of assistance in the season with big point spreads, i.e., Oregon potentially against Georgia this week. And Bijan Robinson, a point you made, might be the best offensive player in college football, but if his team doesn't make a push for a playoff spot, it might be a worthless bet.
5: Yeah, it's it's exactly the point we made on the NFL MVP and the Heisman. I just want to go back to the point you made about the Georgia-Oregon uh, matchup. You know, I think it's applicable in this one because Lanning was there previously, the line is 17, but I think this is much more applicable when the line gets to 20 to. 30 points, 25 and above, somewhere in that range. You won't see a coach necessarily try and run it up. The mall's a lot of fun on day one. Absolutely. Looking forward
3: to it. Uh, Stormy Bonatoni, Matt Brown coming up next. Thanks for watching. and Big Bets. We'll see you tomorrow.